Good morning again. <laughs> and you can be seated one more time if you'd like to. That's fine. But you know, you got those things you say in life like they just attached. <laughs> so whatever. Uh, well, good morning again. We're so glad that you are with us. Again, I, I just want to welcome, I know we've got a number of family and, and friends that are here for child dedications this morning. We're really grateful that you can be a part of things this morning. Hopefully you have a really good experience here with us this morning. Uh, but we are continuing in a series uh, that we are in this fall. Uh, the series is called Jesus in His Own Words. And I've said this, that a lot of us have opinions about what Jesus is like, thoughts from our past of what we think Jesus is like. But this fall, we are walking through the book of John in Scripture and looking, what does Jesus actually say about himself? And there's seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself where he says, I am, and he fills in the blank. He explains who he is. And so we're going to look at that. And in these statements, Jesus defines who he is, but he also defines how it is we need to respond to him. And there's a question that we've been asking throughout this series, if you've been around at all, and the question is this, does the way I live my life reflect the reality of who Jesus is? Because he is who he is. The question is, do our lives actually reflect who he is? Back in week number one, Jesus said this, I am. He boldly proclaimed that he is God. The question, do we live like that? Do we respond to him as if he is God? Do we submit to him as if he is God? That's a question we got to ask ourselves. Last week was a, a message where we looked at Jesus' statement where he said, I am the bread of life. And I had some yummy bread up here. And I said, do we look to him to satisfy our appetites? Or because we're so empty and dissatisfied with life, do we just kind of medicate ourselves with all the other stuff? And I'll just be honest, last week's message, I probably had more people reach out and say that last week's message meddled with them than any other message I've ever preached. So many of you said, man, I had to have some conversations. I had to think about this because it was rough. So if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go, uh, go online to our website app to watch, or you can go to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to that message because I know it's one that will challenge you, but this week's message is going to force us back to the question one more time of do, does the way I live my life reflect the reality of who Jesus is? And so I think this message is going to reveal some things about Jesus, but it's also going to challenge us of how are we a part of what he's doing in the world, all right? If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 8? John chapter 8, beginning verse number 12. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room? It's our tradition around here. You all know this is what we do every single week. If you're a guest here, this is just something we do to say, God, we honor your words over my words. His words matter far more than my words do. John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 12, says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, we thank you so much uh, that you want to speak to us today. So we put aside all the distractions, all the other reasons why we came today. We put all that aside for a second. We just say, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Feels weird, doesn't it? There's something creepy about the dark, isn't it? It's a little, it's confusing. You're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of disorienting a little bit. You're like, where, where am I? I can't see anything around me. I don't know what's going on. 
You ever had one of those moments where you woke up in the middle of the night and you, you don't have any lights on and you get up to go to the bathroom and you like bang your toe on the dresser? You know what I'm talking about? You're just like, ah, I couldn't even see where I was going. I'm just lost. I'm a little confused because there's a problem when we don't have any light is that we don't know where to look. Like there's no focal point, but more than that, we can't see anything else either. See, light doesn't just direct us. It actually illuminates everything around us. So you turn on the light and suddenly you're like, oh, I don't just see the light. I see a little bit of everything. See, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because I see it, I see everything else. And I believe the same thing is true of Jesus. I believe in Christ not only because I have seen him, but because through Christ, I see everything else. He brings order and truth and clarity to the chaos of our world. And so it's with this that Jesus makes this bold proclamation, I am the light of the world. And we're going to spend the rest of our morning here today talking about this statement that Jesus makes because the statement that he says actually has super deep context in Scripture as a whole. When you look at the whole idea of dark and light is all over Scripture. And so we've got to kind of dig in to understand that. And so just know this. I'm going to be looking at a lot of Scripture this morning, but don't worry. We're moving fast today, and I'm going to preach short. Everybody said amen. Okay. So Genesis, we're going to go all the way to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. We start at the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the starting point of all things. Now the earth was formless and empty in it. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, right? He gives us this picture, darkness, chaos, confusion. There's no sense. There's no order. And then into that, what is it happens? It says that God said, let there be light. His spoken word is spoken into creation, and suddenly there is order that is beginning. There is light in the midst of of darkness. We go on into scripture and there's the story of Moses leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt. It's this crazy story of what happens. But there is this idea that the, the Israelites are going to go off into the wilderness and it's confusing and they don't know where they're going to go. And God gives this promise. He says, listen, you're going to be in the wilderness, but I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And how he did that was very interesting. It says it this way in Exodus. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, when it's dark and it's confusing and very disorienting in a pillar of fire to give them light. We see these images of God leading in the darkness over and over again. The book of Psalms talks a lot about light and dark. And in, in Psalm 119, there's an entire chapter speaking about how powerful God's word is. And it says it this way in Psalm 119, 105. Your word, your word, God, is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Like in the midst of my darkness, when I don't know where to turn, I can trust in your word. I can turn to your word and depend on it and make decisions by your word. And then we get to the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah paints this picture 
of, of this darkness and this confusing. In Isaiah chapter 8, it says this, Then they will, uh, will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. He paints this picture of absolute darkness, this chaos, this confusion that exists in our world, and then there is this prophecy. It's one of m- many, many prophecies in the book of Isaiah about Jesus in verse Two of chapter 9, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And he's not just speaking about a metaphorical light there. He is speaking about Christ, the Messiah who was to come. This is the proclamation. All of Isaiah is reminding us there is one coming. There is a Savior coming. There is a hope coming. And then we get to John chapter 1. The very beginning of John chapter 1 sounds very much like the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word he's speaking of? Jesus, right? Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. Remember how we talked about the, the Word being a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And now he's making connection. That word, the fullness of that word is Christ, the living word, the one that we can follow after, who is a light in every circumstance. It goes on in verse number four, and it says this, in him, in Jesus, was life, was Zoe, and that Zoe life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he gets to verse number nine and says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. All of Scripture was pointing to this moment. All of Scripture was preparing for this moment where Jesus stands up in front of a crowd and he says this, I am the light of the world. With that statement, Jesus is saying a whole lot. He's saying, listen, I'm the one to follow, just like the fire in the wilderness. I'm the one to lead you. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am the Redeemer of the world. And I am the living word that brings illumination, not just to this moment, but illuminates all things for you. If you will look to me, the light. And so this is good news, right? This is good news for every single one of us. Why? Because the world we live in is really dark, right? How many of you enjoy watching the news? Anybody enjoy watching the news? None of you do. Why? It's depressing. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like I turn the news on at times and I try to watch it because I want to know what's going on. But I don't enjoy watching it because it's usually depressing. There's a lot of bad stuff that's happening in our world. It's a challenging time. It doesn't like get me all excited. Usually I'm like, I wish I didn't know all the stuff that was going on right now because that's what our world is like. But it's more than just that our world is dark. Jesus had something even worse to say. Our world actually loves the dark. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verse 19. He says this. This is the verdict. Light is coming to the world. He's talking about himself. But people loved the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus said, listen, this world actually prefers the darkness. They tend to run toward the darkness rather than running after the light. So it's worse than that. Our world is filled with that. Like, what gets honored in our world? Think about it in our culture right now. What gets honored? Is it righteousness? Not often. More often than not in our culture, what gets honored is those who rebel against anything that might appear as a boundary. In our culture, it's the ones, no, pave your own way. Go your own way. Mother, if you're, if you're in any way uh, rebelling against an authority, 
you know, that's, those are the ones that we look up. We look up to the ones who rebel against the cultural norms, right? Or rebel against political norms or, or rebel against the societal norms or even in school, that's a, the rebel in school, right? Or, or whatever that authority is. But absolutely we honor those who rebel against any boundary established by God. Think about our culture. So often, those are the things that get honored in our world. Why? It's because we live in a world that actually loves the darkness and the confusion and the chaos that comes with the darkness. As crazy as it is, the Apostle Paul talked about this 2,000 years ago. There's a passage of Scripture in in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says this, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. So you read this passage, you're just like, oh man, he's talking about those horrible people out there. Like, I know somebody like this. All of us know somebody who's, oh, they're depraved, they're awful. Okay, well, we go on in the passage. They are full of envy. Oh no, he might be talking about me. (laughs) They're full of murder. Okay, good, I I didn't do that one. But strife, deceit, and malice. Okay, have I deceived someone possibly? They're gossips. Oh no, I might have talked about somebody. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Does that sound like our world? They disobey their parents. Oh no, the teenagers are in here too, okay? They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. It goes on and says this. It says, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Now here's the problem. You look at this passage, you're like, oh no, I'm in that list somewhere. And at the same time, you read that passage, you're like, this sounds like the world we live in today, doesn't it? Right? Inventing new ways of doing evil, right? We approve, not only do they do things, they approve of people doing things that are against God's will and God's plan. This is the world that we live in. And so isn't it good news for every single one of us that Jesus comes into that darkness that every one of us has to experience? Every one of us is living in this world. Isn't it good news that Jesus comes in and he says, I'm the light, I'm the direction, I'm the hope, I'm the one that can lead you into eternal life no matter what you face. You just got to look at me, look to me, and not only will I direct you, but I will illuminate everything around you so you don't have to stare off into the darkness and try and figure it out on your own and hope that the blind guides that are out there are going to lead you somewhere instead you can look to me and trust that I will guide you into all truth but you got to look to me that's good news for all of us because some of you walk in the door this morning and you experience the confusion of being in the world without any guide you know what it's like to not feel like there's steady ground anywhere because everything is confusing Right? I don't know who to trust. I don't know who to believe. I don't know where to put my confidence because I can't put it in my money. I can't put it in politics. I can't put it in culture. Everything is unstable. But Jesus comes and says, I'm the light. Look to me. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. Submit to me and I will lead you into all truth. And I will give you a guide. I will be the guide that can lead you to Zoe life is what I intended for you. So I think this is really great. If this was all that Jesus had to say today, 
Great. This is awesome. This is good news for every one of us that the God of the universe is actually making a way for us. But Jesus didn't end here. There's one more thing that he wants to say to us before we're done today. Jesus didn't just say he is the light, but he has called us to the light. It says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2. Says this, but you, we quoted this back in the last series when we were walking through the book of First Peter, but you, those of you who choose to follow Christ, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He has invited you out of the darkness. You don't got to live like that anymore. Don't live down to the darkness around you. Don't live down to the garbage that everybody else is living. He's called you up into something that's better and that's greater for you. But he, he says even more though in 1 John chapter 1. He says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we can't claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. How many of you uh, are like OG Christian rock worship DC Talk fans back in the day? Anybody remember that? Okay, some of you, I want to be in the light. Anybody know that one? Because you are in the light. Some of you young kids, you're like, what is that? I don't know that song. It's like mid-90s DC talk. Okay, that's what this is from. But he's saying, listen, it's not enough just to say that you're in the light. If, you're not li if your life doesn't actually reflect that you're living in the light, it doesn't matter what you're saying. Here, I say this all the time. Faith is not just a nice, happy thought in your mind. Faith is something that must be lived out. It is belief lived out. That's what faith is. Does it mean we're perfect? No, but we are pursuing to actually live the lives Christ has called us to live. So he's not just saying, hey, just see the light. He's saying, no, come to the light. But he goes even further than that. And this is the part that's crazy because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Does anybody else feel a little intimidated by that? <laughs> You are the light of the world. If you have chosen to follow Christ, if you have submitted your life to him, Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. And so it's with that I want to get to our big so what this morning. We always say this, so what, what's the point of this thing? The big so what today is this, when we follow the light, we are the light. When we follow the light, we are the light. I'm not saying you feel like you deserve to be the light. Because there are plenty of days that I don't feel like I deserve to be called the light. But that's what Christ has said. See, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to surrender to his authority, when we choose to follow his ways and say, Christ, we put you first. We see you. We don't just proclaim you as a nice man. We declare you as Lord, as God of all creation, as you truly are. When we do that and begin to live in response to him, we become the light to the extent that we faithfully follow Christ, we become a witness to the world around us of the light of Christ. We represent his kingdom. We embody his values and his lordship, and we become witnesses so that others may follow the light. See, there's a version of faith I talk about all the time, that version of faith that says, oh, just come to Jesus. He'll make everything better. That's a really toxic view of faith, okay? Because number one, he's not here to serve you. You're here to serve him. He's the king. You aren't. Okay, that's just reality, all right? Now, when we come to Christ, does he make some things better? Absolutely. 
He redeems us, he saves us, gives us joy, gives us hope, gives us a foundation that we can stand on through whatever circumstance we're facing. Because I know some of you walked in the door this morning, you don't normally come to church, and you're walking through some garbage right now, just like many of us do. But, but when you have faith in Christ, you can have a hope in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of the challenges you're walking around, right? Like that's, that's where we're at, the reality of this, Okay? Christ does some amazing things in our lives, but at the end of this thing, faith isn't ultimately about me. I don't come to Jesus because it's all about me. I come to Jesus, and as I respond to him, ultimately he receives the glory. And when I live as a light, what happens? I'm able to point others to Christ. So at the end of the day, who receives the glory? He does. It's not about me. See, faith was never intended to be just, you know, just make my life better. Because then suddenly we turn God into our pawn. He never comes to be anyone's pawn. He is God Almighty, creator God. And we submit to his authority. All right? We are the light. <laughs> I want to close with this story. Uh, so a uh, week ago, if you follow Amber and I on social media, you probably saw something that happened about a week and a half ago in our home. Uh, so it was a Friday night, and uh, Ash, my son Asher, he's 11, uh, our middle child, he went to uh, Nor Lakeville North football game. Uh, went to hang out at Lakeville North football game. So he went with some friends, and Amber and I like, sweet, at Levi was gone for the weekend. Diella was almost in bed already. I'm like, sweet, we get to chill a little bit tonight. This is great. So Amber's going, hanging out with a friend for the night. And I had one of those long weeks where I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I, I was like, I'm going to grab a remote. And I literally had the remote in my hand, about to put my butt into that couch and got about here and my phone rings. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I pick up my phone and it's Asher calling from the game. I'm like, what's going on? So uh, I pick up the phone and like, I don't hear his voice right now, but it sounds like I hear crying. I'm like, what's happening? And uh, in a few seconds, there's a woman's voice on the phone. They're like, hey, uh, is, this, is this Asher's dad? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? They're like, uh, your son's had a really bad cut. He's bleeding really badly. You're going to have to get here and get him to the hospital as soon as possible. I'm like, Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, so I like grabbed D. She was like getting in bed. I grabbed D. We were sprinting there. Amber's hustling to try and get there. And uh, I get to Lakeville North, and it was just a madhouse. There was like cops everywhere. It was a, like North-South game. It was a homecoming. It was just packed. And I get there, and there was cops everywhere. And, uh, and I, I come in, and, and then I get to the scene. It looked like a movie where Asher was at. There was, it was like four or five cops and like four paramedics around him because they had all the people there for the game anyway. So they were all, oh, something to do. So they're all taking care of Asher. And I hear Asher like screaming, like he's in dire pain, like screaming. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and like, the, he, there's a lot of blood. And I'm like, I got to get him to a car. So I get him, get him to the car eventually. And I, you know, book it all the way down to children's emergency room. And Amber meets us down there. And, uh, we spend the next six hours of them getting him sewed up, you know, and took 12 stitches in his leg to kind of pull things back together. And uh, it was kind of gross and all that stuff. He, you know, and we come to find out eventually that um, what had happened was there was a hole by the stadium that he had stepped into, shouldn't have been there, should have been taken care of, whatever, had some metal in it, and he had stepped, his foot had fallen in, and just gouged his leg up real bad, okay? All right. Some of you are getting grossed out. Sorry. <laughs> I don't like blood either, so Sorry. So why am I telling you what happened last week? Well, because, first off, right, the, the next day was fun because Asher's getting these messages. Like, he was the, he was the hot commodity in, in the city of Lakeville. Everybody was talking about it. There were so many people at the game. They thought, like, people were getting texts. I heard you got stabbed. I heard your leg got broken off. <laughs> it's like, 
Okay, it wasn't that big of a deal. But all these shout out prayers for Asher. I can't believe something would happen to such a great boy. Like all these posts, was, it was kind of funny. But then an interesting thing happened the next day. Amber started getting messages. Once people found out what had taken place, she said, you should sue the school. You should sue. Dude, they shouldn't have done that. They, you should sue the school. You should get, get some You get money out of this. This happened to me. You could get some money out of this thing. And we understand. Some of them were, you know, good reason. That's fine. But as Amber and I, like her first response was like, why, why would we do that? And we, we talked about it a couple days later, and we're just having a conversation. I remember Amber's just saying, like, why would we compromise our witness for a, for a few bucks? Like, why, why would we do that? Like, we're trying to be a light to all these people. Like, we're trying to sh- show them Christ and point them toward Jesus, and instead we're going to be the people that in vengeance go try and, like, how much money can I get out of the school out of this thing? And as I was thinking about this story, I just, I just think for every single one of us, can we be those who would say we would rather be a light than be right? Because let's be honest, as followers of Christ, a lot of times we would rather be right than be a light. We would rather fight for our rights to be right. You know, if somebody hurts us, nope, I'm going to pay them back. We would rather do that than be a light in that moment. But what has Christ invited us into? He said, listen, you follow me, that means you follow my ways. And my ways sometimes means you're going to lay down your rights. You are going to die to yourself and serve me and follow me. But in doing that, you will show the world something that they won't see anywhere else. You're going to be the light, not try to fight for your rights over and over again. And I would just say there are some of you here this morning as as followers of Christ, you are following Jesus, but there's this temptation in you still to fight for your rights. And I would say God is calling you to lay down your rights for the benefit of another. Lay down your rights so that people look at you and they see a light. I pray that when I walk through circumstances and situations, people look at my life and they say, that is different than the way the rest of the world would have responded to that. And I pray that's true of your lives. That when you walk through a hard thing, because some of you right now are walking through garbagey circumstances. Like Amber and I get it all the time. It at times gets gets overwhelming for us. The amount of hurt that we see in our body. Like people walking through hard things. Because we love you. We genuinely love you. But I want to speak encouragement to your hearts. That I know sometimes you walk through a hard thing and you think, what good is this thing? I don't know. I wish I could give you an answer for all the good stuff that's going to come out. But I can be confident that when you walk through hard things with a faith and a hope in Christ, you become a light to those around you because they say, I don't understand how they could have hope in the midst of what they're walking through. But they are a light in the midst of darkness. We have an opportunity to display the joy and the hope of Christ, whatever we are facing. And so for those of you who consider yourself a follower of Christ, my challenge is, would you follow after Christ? Follow the light so that you can be a light to those around you. But I know there's some of you here this morning that have never responded to the light of Christ. Maybe you're here for the first time or you've been around church, but you've never truly submitted your life to Christ. Jesus came, he gave his life on a cross, 
He overcame the power of sin and darkness to not just simply save your soul for one day, but to redeem you, to bring you into his kingdom beginning today, to live eternally for him, to give you hope in hopeless circumstances, but you must respond to him. So I'm going to give us all an opportunity to respond. Would you bow your heads across the room and pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are a light in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the confusion that is in our world, God. You are greater. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for every single one of us who considers ourselves followers of Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much that you have saved us, that you've redeemed us, God. But I can admit just for myself, Lord, there are still times where I find myself walking away from your light and turning into darkness and turning to the confusion for wisdom rather than you, Lord. Would you forgive us of that, Lord? I would just encourage you even right now in your own heart, would you just surrender your heart again to Christ? Say, God, forgive me for the times I looked at other places. God, I want to turn to you in all things. God, I want to follow your ways. I want to follow and walk in your light. Allow you to make the determinations. Help me to see and illuminate the stuff around me rather than me just trying to figure it out on my own, Lord. And Lord, I pray ultimately you would help us to not just follow you as the light, but God, to, be, to live as the light of the world around us, God, that we would demonstrate the hope of Christ. God, the way we speak to others, to our neighbors, to our people that we work with, God, would we be those who are constantly living as a witness for you, Jesus? Not fighting for our rights, but living to be a light for the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bow, every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity that there might be someone here today who, if you were to be honest, you would say, you know what? I feel like I'm living in the darkness and I've never turned to the light. I've never turned to Christ. I understand the church thing, the religious thing, but I've never submitted or surrendered my life to Jesus, followed after him and made him the leader of my life. With every head bow and every eye closed this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision you could ever make. Not only will it bring light to the darkness, but it will give you hope for eternity. But it requires you to take a step to respond to Jesus. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you say, I want to experience life and I want to surrender to the light of Jesus, that's you today. Would you just lift a hand across the room and say, I need that right now. I want to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to rush this. I've had a few already. If there's anybody else that wants to respond, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Thank you, Jesus. If you're with us online, I want to encourage you to respond as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. If you want to respond to Christ here, I'm just going to invite you in your own heart to pray a prayer as I'm going to pray right now. Jesus, thank you so much that you love me that you care for me, Lord, that you have pursued me to this moment so that I could hear a message about hope. And Lord, I, I acknowledge that you are Lord, that you are God, that you are the King. I believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And I, and I put my faith in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I surrender my life to Jesus and I make Jesus the Lord of my life. And I pray that you would help me to live in the light, that I would follow the light in all things, that I would follow your truth, that I would get into your word, 
and live for you, Jesus, and experience the Zoe life you intended for me. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.